Hello and welcome back to episode 14 of Get the PHT with me, Sammy. Me, Hannah. And me, Tom. And this week we're going to be diving into the wonderful world of funding and uh, getting by financially whilst on a PhD. I think we all have slightly interesting and different uh, experiences of this whilst on our PhDs and kind of getting on to our PhD. It might not sound like the funnest of episodes, but we promise it's kind of useful. This time of year is when applications are open and deadlines are looming. So we thought we could provide some advice. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where you don't quite realise how many opportunities there are out there or how many different avenues of funding might be available to someone. And then once yeah. you kind of actually look into it, you realise, wow, there's quite a yeah. lot of financial support if you seek it out kind of thing. But before we dive into... Uh, the different funding opportunities that are available and our own experiences. How has your week been, guys? I don't. My week has been fine until about five minutes ago. It's been very, very stressful. <laughs> Why has it been stressful? Tom? Very painful week. <laughs> My Wi-Fi is not agreeing with me. And neither are you two. I mean... I, didn't need, I needed a stress-free day today. I have oh. planned. I've left my diary completely empty for a reason. And then this happens. <laughs> Tom, podcasting is your favourite day of the week. I almost called you podcasting Tom then. So. <laughs> Trying to run out of excuses to not do podcasts. Oh. That's what I had placed on this priority. Oh, you're disappointing all so of our listeners. Now you're lying about your Wi-Fi being bad to get out of doing it. <laughs> Honestly, I've never seen anything like this. It's like someone standing behind me with a pause button. It's like you're a bit robotic as well. Yeah, it is a little bit. <laughs> How's your week been, Hannah? It's been good. Calm again. Relax. Not wow. relax, but in comparison, it hasn't been stressful. Minimal meetings uh, and just nice tasks that don't require too much brain power. So I've actually enjoyed my week, but it is Wednesday, so two more days. Still time left yet. <laughs> yeah. How was your week, Sammy? Yeah, it's been okay. Um, like sim well, similar to you but not in a way it's been very slow but my weeks are quite slow at the moment um i feel like it's almost the calm before the storm in a weird way in terms of i found out that there's potentially some teaching for me at the university so hopefully i can start doing some of that before the christmas break just to ease back into it uh but that's all online so i don't need to go into campus for any of that so uh that'd be interesting exciting um, but yeah, and then with the research project, my PhD, my PhD has been on a bit of a, like, not standstill, but kind of slow motion, if you'd say, just uh, kind of holding, holding fire on anything major, just whilst things kind of hopefully go back to normal in the new year. Um, and I'll have my annual report to do as well. But uh, yeah, the research project, we've got um, like a meeting that we were supposed to be in Nice for in two weeks, which, you know, is now going to be sat in my flat on a computer which isn't as nice as going to the Christmas market in Nice and that having a beer and things like that, but that's fine. <laughs> that's such a shame. Yeah, but yeah, so I feel like there'll be a bit of a pickup in terms of that as well, off the back of the meeting and a few uh, videos to record and interviews to do and stuff for the for the research. But yeah, it's been a quiet week, but uh, a positive week in terms of good news and good things to come. Good. Calm before the storm, as you said. Yeah. PhD. 
Okay, so in today's episode, we're going to talk about how we're funded to do our PhDs, but also the different ways that we know about how you can get funding. Hopefully, it will be informative for both masters and undergrad students. Um, and yeah, hopefully, we'll provide you with tips and tricks. Okay, so we've kind of got two main ways you can go about getting funding. Um, feel free to add to this, guys, or disagree with me. But I guess the two ways I know about and have known people go through is to either seek out the funding yourself and then kind of the supervisor fill, falls into it later, or you can kind of approach uh, lecturers and professors and, you know, ask them if they have time for supervision or any kind of projects that you'd be suitable for. Um, often they might be able to write a bid to get funding for you or, you know, point you in the direction of funding opportunities and it kind of works that way. Um, yeah, they're kind of the two main ways I know about and I've experienced um, and know people who've gone through. So I don't know if you guys have anything to add to that. I mean, my PhD kind of came about purely from... I was doing a master's dissertation. My supervisor for that basically in the first supervisory meeting said, do you want to do a PhD off the back of this? And I said, yes. And then from there, it was decided that I was going to do one. We, we never really discussed funding just because I don't know, we didn't. And from there, it was basically, I just got student finance, which I'll obviously get into a little bit later on. But yeah, it was basically just getting the PhD was through my supervisor and me just having a joint agreement that I'd do one, but the actual funding side was kind of not really touched on, which I suppose is why people might not even know about different opportunities for funding because people just don't even mention it. Mm -hmm. I guess you've kind of just touched on another way there, Sammy, that you can go about it. So you can actually be sought out by someone to do a PhD. Um, yeah. Rather than seeking out the supervisor, they may seek you. If you're a student of theirs, I mean, that's kind of what happened with me too. Yeah, I was going to say, you obviously, with one of your lecturers, they, they kind of said to you that they had this PhD and this bid going in for one, didn't they? And mm -hmm. So the way it worked is that they had already put in a bid without a, a student in mind and then kind of opened it up afterwards. So my kind of undergraduate course feeded straight into that. So after I did a presentation on a similar topic, she approached me and said, you know, this would probably be up your, up your street and suitable for you. So yeah, kind of, kind of approached, but yeah, I guess kind of approached in a way. Um, but yeah, that's a completely different way. Anything else? For my course, it wasn't so much lectures or even students talking about funding. We just, um, we just had people invited in to give talks about how they got funding, how their projects sort of got started. Um, we got told all these different websites to go and look at. We had to mock apply for a couple of them. Um, just sort of showing us where to look, really. Didn't open any doors as such, just showing us these where you need to be looking, these where the opportunities will pop up. And yeah, it sort of helped mm -hmm. us find out where to go. I think, I think that's a good example of how different school, like universities or even courses and schools within each university approach the subject yeah because like i i never really had a phd student say to me during my undergrad or my, even my master's say oh this is how i did it or this is how you can do it like you say mm -hmm. mock applying for one we never did that at all we never even approached that and i feel like I maybe because you, your degree is kind of in more of a research kind of background whereas education and those kind of areas you can more it's more i suppose lent towards teaching mm -hmm. first and foremost 
Yeah, I was going to say the exact same with kind of psychology almost being classed as a science. You probably get a lot of kind of funding from that side. And it's almost kind of an avenue that is often pursued, whereas in education, you know, there's a lot less of us even in Cardiff Met School of Education in comparison to the health sciences. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a school thing, 100 percent. And you used to have kind of PhD students as lecturers, didn't you, Tom? Yeah, it wasn't common, but I think one or two of our main lecturers were still doing their PhDs. So they were, they were really smart in their fields, don't get me wrong, but we didn't know until afterwards that they weren't actually doctors yet. I think it was in my third year, one of the lectures I had from day one, really, um, they brought her into the lecture theatre and told us that she just got a PhD. And all of us were just sat there like, hasn't she already? And, <laughs> See, and, yeah, and that's, that's, shock, that's, an, that's another thing where, like, we... I don't think I ever had a PhD student teach me on my degree. And obviously now being a PhD student who's doing some teaching, it's nice to see people being given the opportunity now, whereas maybe they weren't. But it's also like, why wasn't this happening before? Like I just, I don't know, it was just never a thing when, I don't know, it feels like when you have a PhD student, I know that we have quite, not opposing views, but obviously you focus more on the research side, whereas I focus more on the teaching side in terms of university and academia it seems like almost a given that you would at least try it just because you're there it's it's money which is almost a form of funding and it's good for the uni if they need someone to teach and you're there to be able to do it and i just yeah we never interacted with phd students at all it almost seemed like another world in a way yeah i think from being in the school of education for my undergrad that's definitely my experience is similar to yours sammy i really didn't have any of these kind of opportunities like talks about funding not in a million years just because it's kind of not as common right like in education you've got kind of all the teaching pathways all the kind of masters there's loads of kind of different stuff that side that you know phd doesn't necessarily always filter into that so yeah i think there's massive differences between sciences and kind of more humanity subjects so one of the more i suppose you would say simple forms of funding in terms of you don't you don't really have to work for it. It's almost, I know you have, you have to, you have to be, you have to be viable to have it, but you don't have to like bid for it or write yeah. anything for it. You just apply as you would for your undergraduate, which is student finance. And that's how I'm funded on my PhD. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's positive and negatives to it. It's, it's a case of, like you say, it's hassle-free. So it's there and it's a nice backup plan almost of, if you need to fall back on it, you can get it. I know that Wales and England both offer it in student finance now. So it's good to like know that you can do it in either kind of thing. I don't know about other ones like Scotland or anywhere like that. Um, but it's a weird one where like, I've had a few issues with it, like getting paid at the right time and getting in contact with student finance is always a hassle and things like that. But yeah, it, it was just quite simple. It worked for me in terms of just getting some form of funding that suits and covers my tuition fees and that's about it really and it gives me kind of room to maneuver in terms of I have up to eight years to get my PhD done oh wow you can you can balance it between full-time and part-time they 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 basically split your it's 25,000 pounds and they split it between however many years your course will be so I suppose four or eight so Okay, so do does that just cover the kind of tuition side of things? Is that what they pay for? I mean, it's tuition and pocket change. So, like, <laughs> I think um, January I'll get 
So my tuition fees for the year at the uni are 2,750 a year. Mm-hmm. And I think each payment I'll get about 1,000-ish. So I'll get about 3,100, maybe 200 for the whole year. So about 450 of it is extra, which... Okay. I mean, it's not much, but it adds up. So across your whole PhD, yeah, it's a little bit extra, but it, the most it would be is maybe a couple of resources or just, you know, lunch money or something. Like it wouldn't, <laughs> it wouldn't amount to anything. It's not like undergrad or postgrad where you can literally pay rent with it. Yeah. It's not a viable form of like yours where you have that's your funding. You don't have to worry about work. Student finance is the bare minimum of you got to find some more money to get by, kind of thing. I guess the student finance sort of thing just makes it more accessible, doesn't it? Like for most people, paying their tuition fees isn't an option, especially at the age you just finished a master's or an undergrad. So it just opens up that extra bit. Yeah, you'll have to work alongside it. But it's that option to go and do a PhD after what you've just done. Yeah, no, it, it takes away, I suppose if you look at it, it takes away like half the hassle kind of thing of you still have to worry about rent, but you don't have to worry about tuition fees. And it's, it's yeah. nice that you're not hag- not haggling, but almost you don't have the university coming to you for your tuition fee money. I know you have to pay it to them technically, but it's given to you by student finance. Now it's, like I said, it's a great way to kind of get a hassle-free form of funding, but yeah, yeah you have to do something else alongside it. And if you're doing something else alongside it, you know, you're just doing that for living costs rather yeah. than having to cover both. Um, so I guess that kind of leads into the next thing of that you can fund yourself whilst working. Uh, I mean, lots of people work within the university, obviously doing jobs that are quite similar to uh, research or lecturing. I know, Sammy, you've got quite a lot of experience with being on a research project. So I don't know if you want to talk about that. Yeah, well, I mean, we spoke about it on the podcast before that I kind of have the not the jack of all trades, but I've done a bit of everything almost whilst at the uni in terms of I've done some teaching hours, which is a great form of earning money whilst doing your PhD because it gives you experience of possibly a job after your PhD. It's, it's good money. It helps the university as well. It's kind of a win-win for everyone in terms of teaching. And it's just, it's nice to, if you can find something that suits you that is similar to your PhD, but slightly different, it's like the same field. It's a nice way of keeping your, your like yourself on the ball with your research and with your, your field. But, yeah. not feeling like you're just constantly doing the same thing it's quite a ni- nice little refreshing thing to do i've done invigilation work for teacher training and exams going into that and interviews for that again it's money at the end of the day like it's all it's all ways of funding yourself basically i think it's probably important to add that even if your university don't offer opportunities like this you know they might not have teaching hours or might not need invigilators you can go and do this stuff at another university if you're a phd student i mean i know people who do that i don't see any kind of problem with doing that so yeah if you can't find them opportunities within a uni you can go around or you know work in multiple to build up the hours um yeah I guess the other option is you know have a job that's not inside the uni or kind of not related um yeah well I mean if I wouldn't have got on the research project that I'm doing at the moment I would have been working at Coral whilst doing my PhD until I found something more suitable it's just I I was working I think it was 15 hours a week and it was all like evening and night shifts so it's it wouldn't have got in the way and it would have if anything it would have been nice because it's like it's football and stuff at the end of the day like it's stuff that I enjoy <laughs> anyway so it's not a problem but yeah yeah I mean it's just whatever you you need to kind of make ends meet I suppose at the end of the day it's uh mm-hmm. 
I think a lot of people also do things like collaborating with organizations that are part of their PhD. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think a prof doc, a professional doctorate kind of often centers on this, you know, having uh, a your kind of job almost funds you but also is related to your PhD so almost like you know you're providing with the research they're providing the funding that kind of thing um which is similar to what me and Tom's scholarship does but you know in a different kind of sense of that your main source of income is from your employer and yeah that type of relationship Moving on, um, so as you kind of mentioned, me and Tom are on a scholarship, which sounds a lot more fancy than it actually is. Tom learned about five minutes ago that he was on a scholarship. Um, so yeah, we're provided funding by CARES, which is the Knowledge and Economy Skills Scholarship. Um, the funding comes from European Social Funding, I think Welsh Government, but then also we work in partnership with a small to medium enterprise, which funds some of our um, fees. But as I kind of mentioned with the prof doc, we work in collaboration with the organisation just to kind of bridge that link between research and practice. Um, So I don't know if you want to talk about how you found out about CARES or your kind of funding, Tom. I'll just start. I know what CARES stands for. All I thought was that I was on a studentship, not a scholarship. I don't really understand the difference. I've seen a lot of people are saying the same things now, and I'm yeah. very confused. But basically, I saw an advert for my project online. I can't remember. Is either Indeed or Find a PhD? I just scrolling through the website sort of daily at this point, just hoping to find something. And then one of my mates just convinced me that I should sign up for this one. I was like, I was really weary at the start, to be honest, because it's not in psychology. It's literally in the School of Education. I thought there's no way you could go to something like that. But turns out they like it when you sort of go across schools or across disciplines. Like if you can bring something new, then oh, apparently a good thing. <laughs> I think that's definitely a good thing. Like you bring a whole new set of research skills, which, you know, PhDs to build on them research skills, right? So, you know, building on them in a different kind of um different kind of way is good you're going to be a more rounded individual at the end tom <laughs> hopefully that was planned i saw the transition wouldn't be um very hard but at times it has been like i felt mm-hmm. really stupid at some points like asking you what you probably think of really simple terms in education i'm just like i've never heard of that in my life like these some of these words <laughs> just look made up to me and i have to I... just <laughs> I think because I sit in the middle I think because I sit in the middle of education psychology, I just get confused by both of them. <laughs> I was gonna say when you two talk about when you two talk about psychology, I don't know what's going on. I got an E at AS level in psychology, I don't know what the hell are you two talking about. <laughs> um but yeah, uh, I'm also funded by CARES. Um um, so in terms of the actual funding with CARES, obviously we're not going to too much detail, um, but you get just your stipend, which is a tax-free uh, sum of money every month. That's for three years typically, and then you have a six-month write-up period unfunded at the end, which is quite typical of all kind of um, scholarships or studentships. 
Um, alongside the stipend, you also have a kind of budget which you can use for travel, conferences, equipment, consumables, uh, training. So just anything you'll kind of need throughout your project, you can um, be funded for. So yeah, it's a really, really good scholarship. Um, I think they're still running master's projects at the moment, but with Brexit, I think the European social funding is coming to an end in 2022. So I'm not sure whether they're going to be running any PhDs. Um, yeah, I guess I have to find that out. But That would be a damn shame. I know, it really, really will be, because I think it's one of the um, more accessible ones definitely to get onto. Um, in terms of my experience, my as I kind of mentioned, my supervisor applied for the bid and then found the student, which was me, afterwards. Um, but I think the majority of our PhDs within Cardiff Met are has funded I don't know whether that's kind of... Uh, a big statement to make with little knowledge <laughs> but I think a lot of people I meet are on PEZ scholarships so yeah it would be a shame if they don't um, have more funding uh, and also kind of moving on to the last section I guess um, it's just different organisations so I've got written down here uh, charities and trusts the government are quite significant and you know obviously got quite a bit of money <laughs> they offer quite a few things and also different research bodies uh the kind of main one i know about um is the economic and social research council which fund masters as well as phd so you can either get three years phd funding or you can get what's called a one plus three so you have one year's of mass one year of masters funding and then three of phd um yeah so that one seems quite good as well if you're looking for masters funding to move on to phd so like Karen said, there's loads of different sort of funding bodies and programmes out there really if you want to go into a PhD. But what they don't tell you is it's quite difficult to keep like on track of it. So to keep on top of all these different bodies, all these different funders, look logging onto their websites, seeing their projects. It's, it took mm -hmm. its toll, like daily scrolling through it. So finding a website like for me was find a PhD. I could just go onto that website and scroll through through loads of PhDs that are relevant to me. I could choose educational-based, psychology-based. I could choose where they were. Like, just using this website is a lot more helpful than daily scrolling through about 20 different websites. Mm -hmm. I found this so much easier. Yeah, that sounds good. I think they have findamasters.com as well. So if you're undergrad looking for a master's opportunity that's funded, you can go on there for that as well as PhDs. Okay, guys, I guess kind of wrapping up this section, what is your kind of tips or things to consider if you're thinking about doing a PhD and getting funded to do one? I would just say kind of keep your options open. Mm -hmm. I wish that I had known how many options there are when going into a PhD, whether it's being kind of through a CARES program like you are, or whether it's almost like mine self-funded, you can still get financial help without being almost tied down to a full four years of funding or anything. Like I've seen things where based on like religion and kind of socioeconomic status, even things like just where you're from, like, I've seen some some forms of funding where it's like you can get like a thousand pounds for travel or books or a laptop or anything like that just because you live in Cardiff, things like that. Like there's so many options and you you might as well consider them because any any every little helps. Like anything in terms of that will help you, whether it's whether it's to get some resources or whether it's to help pay some tuition fees or just get by whilst you're doing your PhD, anything like that really. So I'd just say yeah, keep your options open. Don't really don't really uh, rule anything out until you, you 
look into it or give it a go. And like Tom said, find a PhD.com. I mean, I know about that and I know there's, there's loads on there and yeah, there's just so many options that you just need to kind of just, yeah, have a look and see what's there and see if anything suits you. I think sometimes I kind of forget how lucky I am to have CARES as a funding body. Um, just because, you know, we're so well supported in terms of uh, just being able to buy equipment, anything we need, it's kind of no stress. If your laptop dies, you know, you can get a new one without being... <laughs> Sammy's pulling a face here. Sorry, am I rubbing it in your face? <laughs> no, it's okay. It's just, yeah, it's a nice perk, isn't it? Obviously being able to think, well, if you need anything, then the help's there. Whereas mm -hmm. Not having pilot. to worry about money, just if I do want to do any kind of lecturing opportunities, obviously you're restricted in how much you can do. Um, but, you know, just being able to do them as an additional rather than having to think about a million things at once. Like it is, it is a luxury. Yeah. Like if my laptop goes, then, you know, <laughs> who knows? It's saving your pennies <laughs> for the next two months. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, obviously if I could, then I don't, I don't know. Cause I, we've spoke about it on the podcast loads. I always weigh it up in my head of, would I like to be on a CARES program? And I, I don't know if it would work for me there's so much in terms of meetings and paperwork and and it's understandable there's got to be to be able to keep on top of it and keep on the fin financial side of it mm -hmm. but I, I feel that's... like it, it works for me I'm quite an independent person in terms of just going up my own pace and kind of working on things and, and then going to my supervisors when I need it mm -hmm. and I feel like there's there's so much kind of there's so many like little bits and bobs in terms of a CARES or any program like that really with that kind of funding that I don't know if it would suit me, but obviously that's why yeah. there's so many options. It could suit someone. I think that's the kind of full-time and part-time difference as well, isn't it? Like, and as well, when you're getting PhD funding, that's something you need to consider whether you want to do this full-time or whether you'd rather do it alongside a job in which, you know, you can look at being partially funded. Something we've kind of touched upon is to consider, you know, you can be fully funded like me and Tom are, you can be self-funded like Sammy is, but also you can be uh, partially funded. So maybe you just have kind of a small living wage covered, but you have to pay tuition fees or kind of vice versa um yeah i guess my advice would be um yeah to consider them types of funding for me i definitely recommend going funded like i know sammy just mentioned about um being the individuality sort of side of it you want to be in control of your own project go at your own pace i don't know whether i just struck gold or other people feel like this but i still think i got that so my supervisors have sort of put a lot of trust in me and um my decision making where the project's going sort out my ethics etc like I still see that as my project is something that I'm in control of. The timesheets and things I may complain of at a time now and again, because they could come at a time when I got a ton of different reports to do. So it could be head stress for maybe a couple of days or so. Then it's sent off, it's sorted, it's something you don't have to worry about for another month. Um, same with new reports. They just, they seem bad at a time, but then as you're going through it, you're highlighting everything you've achieved in that term. Like for me, yeah. that was a big motivator, showing, okay, I've done this, I've achieved that. Um, it helps you set your next goals, make sure you're on target. And I think being funded has really helped me a lot. Like I've never considered being self-funded in a PhD. Not that I thought I'd be funded either, I just thought I'd never get to this stage. But having that funding, it's, it's pushed me further than the way I thought I'd be. So my project has been able to go a lot faster. I've got a lot more understanding of it. And the funding body itself as well is realizing that they're not just funders. Like they've helped yeah. um, they've helped us understand like the socializing aspects of PhD and how that's important. Like 
Han I've only met through CARES and other CARES students we've met at CARES social sort of things, yeah. like inductions, etc. Like they've helped me understand there's so many different projects going on, there's so many people to go to for support and even just talking about PhDs sort of things. Like the money side of it is good, but there's so much more they've helped with. Like training sessions, for example. We get emails constantly about all these different trainings and opportunities we can go to. You may not think you've got time to go to them all, but the opportunity is there if you're that sort of person that wants that constant training. So yeah. it's just that extra sort of aspect, which I never really thought of from a funder, really. But mm-hmm. yeah, I don't regret it at all. I completely agree, especially we've talked a few times on the podcast about that kind of loneliness of doing a PhD, but Kez have kind of really made that effort to make sure we have kind of a meeting when we started on induction and then, you know, to stay in touch. We there's um obviously it's been cancelled because of covid and now been virtually but normally there's a grad school thing that we go to uh, when you're in your second year of phd and you get to meet other people discuss your research project so i think there's real um real kind of conversations you can have and also what you kind of touched on tom the beauty of a phd is being able to spend three or more years solely focusing and learning about one kind of area and i feel like if i had other demands of me continually you know required to keep myself afloat i wouldn't be able to have that 100 percent focus and kind of narrow tunnel vision on my project so yeah i completely agree with you there um, in terms of my advice for if you're looking for PhD funding, I would say to just consider the type. So whether you want to be full time, part time, whether you uh, need full funding, partial funding or whether, you know, you can do what Sammy's doing and be self-funded. Um, and I think the beauty of that self-funding is if you really, really want to do a PhD and you're just not having any luck, then, you know, you can still go ahead and do it in that self-funded way and, you know, work it out as you go. Um, but the other thing we haven't kind of touched on is writing research bids, which are often required to, um, none of us have had experience of it, so, you know, we can't really advise on that, but it's probably just worth mentioning that often for these types of funding things, you'll be required to write uh, a research bid proposing what your PhD project would be. Um, so, yeah, just having a clear idea in that aspect of what, what you want to look at. So now we move on to the uh, off-topic section of the podcast, Procrastination of the Week. Who wants to go first? I don't mind going. Okay. Do mine. Okay. So my procrastination of the week is probably more like a procrastination of the month um, and potentially year. (laughs) But I started a food Instagram because I have too much time, but not enough time on my hands. Do you know what I mean? Like lockdown, well, not lockdown, but you know, COVID world means I don't really have any hobbies or anything that I'm doing. So I thought I would start uploading pictures of my food onto Instagram. Uh, I can't justify it. I'm not going to lie. I can't, I can't give you a reason. I think you can. (laughs) How? It's something that you enjoy doing. Like you say, it's a hobby. It's something that's not work, but that you get to put work into. It's like I said last week with my Pokemon procrastination. It's something that you get involved in, but it's not work. Yeah, that's you're good. You're good at this, Sammy. Well, no, but it's it's something that you obviously (laughs) enjoy doing, and you you like doing, and that's that's fair enough. It's it's almost like a self care well being thing of you like doing it, and it's a hobby. It's such a community in a sense of if I don't know what to cook for tea, I can just go on Instagram, have a little scroll and there'll be loads of good recipes and ideas and I'll be like, sorted. Um, And I'm a massive foodie. So yeah. Would you like to plug your food Instagram? 
What's that? I mean, if people want to follow me, you two need to follow me, by the way. Um, it's Hans, H-A-N-S, Veggie Blog. Hans Veggie Blog. A little bit of a ring to is it, that, not really, but... <laughs> is that Veggie with an I-E? Two Gs? Yes. Yes, two Gs, I-E. If you spell it with a Y, pff, you're weird. <laughs> Just making sure so people find the right one. You're going to get Thanks. someone else loads of followers otherwise. So you guys need to follow now. Okay. Okay, who else? Who else has got one? Try top that. <laughs> so my procrastination of the week this week was uh, my birthday. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. that wasn't this week. Was it? I mean, it was since the last podcast recording. No, you can't have that. Really? No, I I'm, having, I'm having my birthday as my... my uh, as my Yeah, because we, we, we haven't recorded a podcast for two weeks. We were an episode in lieu. Yeah, we were an episode, <laughs> episode ahead, so... Because we had other things to do. Well, some of us had other things to do last week, so we didn't record. So we haven't recorded one since my birthday. So my birthday is my procrastination of the, the week. Cause, uh, what did you get up to? Uh, not much. Oh. <laughs> uh, How no, is this well, a procrastination? Well, that was a mad birthday. Well, well <laughs> I want you to on my birthday, this. On my birthday, which was a Monday, I just did nothing. I didn't like do, do anything. Um uh, my girlfriend's uh, family came down uh, and stayed in a hotel for the night and came over and we had takeaway and stuff on the Friday. Um, yeah, I just, Chilled. you know, basically if I ever felt bad about not doing any work, I just thought, well, it's my birthday or it's my birthday <laughs> week. So, oh, birthday oh, week. I didn't get up to much because obviously, I mean, what can you do at the moment? Really? I mean, you can do some stuff, but not unless it's really like you feel like it's essential. So just mm-hmm. got a takeaway in and stuff like that. But yeah. So uh, yeah, and that okay. inspired the the procrastination of the last podcast, which was Pokemon. So. <laughs> right, Tom. Last but certainly not least. So my procrastination just happened, really. So <laughs> I just spent two hours sitting in spoons because my sister had a puncture, and she was too scared to go and talk to a mechanic herself. So I thought, oh, I'll go and help. Put my work away, jumped in the car, went for food. But yeah, that took up a good chunk of time. <laughs> Wait, so what's your procrastination there? Which part? Spoons, isn't it? Just sitting in spoons. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Got you. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know if it was the puncture, if it was fixing the tire, if it was the oh, chilling. It. it was cold. Oh. <laughs> I've just stereotyped you there. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> Sorry. So as usual, we will now be doing a section where we uh, share the sessions and events and workshops that Research and Innovation Services at Cardiff Met are running this week for students. So on the 2nd of December, there is a qualitative research process, one interviews workshop at 7 p.m. On the 3rd of December, there is an examination one, the examination process workshop at 2 p.m. on Thursday, the 3rd of December. We would also recommend to any uh, PhD students at Cardiff Met or undergrad or uh, master's students to check out uh, the Doctoral Academy where you can find a section on find funding, which uh, has links to the research professional and alternative guide to postgraduate funding. They have also run a, a past workshop on the alternative guide to funding, which can be accessed through the Doctoral Academy and rewatched. Uh, we would recommend going to watch that. It's roughly two hours long, 
um, and it will give you some really good information to kind of flesh out and build on what we've touched on in this uh, in this podcast. Okay, guys, so that's the end of episode 14 of Get the PhD. We hope you found this episode informative. And if you're considering PhD, please feel free to reach out to us if you'd like any more advice or help. We will do what we can at getthephd at hotmail.com. Yeah, well, yeah. without the, yeah, and then obviously at getthephd on Twitter. Also, if you want to get in touch, we, uh, regularly ask for uh, questions and input on the on the podcast episodes when we uh, decide on topics so keep an eye out for that and be involved maybe get a mention in some future episodes but yeah like Hannah said hopefully you found this informative it's not the most exciting topic but it needs to be covered and like like Hannah said with uh, with enrollment and uh, people coming on to PhDs throughout like January and February time it's uh, good to know now that you should be looking for these kind of opportunities and kind of like I said as my advice keep your keep yourself kind of an open book and uh, don't rule anything out because you never really know what might pop up or what might suit you or what might give you a bit of extra cash in your pocket or help pay the bills or tuition fees and so on. So uh, that's all for this week. Thank you and goodbye. Keep washing your hands.